Welcome to You Wanted a Hit, a podcast in which we discuss unlikely, perplexing, and positively bizarre songs that swept the nation and often the world. Hit songs that, looking back, make us think, how did this get played on the radio? Do people actually like this? Do we like this? Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your co-host, Michael Smith, and I'll be discussing one song per episode with my co-host and fellow music fanatic, pop culture enthusiast Theo Beidler. Each episode, we'll take turns exploring a song, while the other host has no idea what song will be the focus until we hit play. First off, first things first. (laughs) It's a new tradition, first thing. I wonder if any of our listeners, when they listen to our pod, oh, there it is. Do you think any of them crack open a Sierra Nevada can snack and, and drink along with us as they listen? I'd love to know, uh, especially if it's a morning podcast for some people, which I'm a, I'm a morning say, podcast listener. I was going to say, fortunately, we're a podcast with two beverage sponsors. I'm a morning listener as well, so I'm often listening with my Dark Matter coffee. That's true. Yeah, I've, I'd say most days when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm drinking Dark Matter coffee. But maybe a new trend could begin. All right. Well, should we get to our song today? Uh, we should. We should get to the task at hand. What What do you have? Yes, I'm excited for tonight's song, uh, mainly because we have mentioned this song multiple times Ooh. on the podcast. Ooh. It's a song that I was not familiar with until we started doing the podcast. I'm intrigued. Do, do you have any guesses? And did I do the whole? You don't know that song? No, I don't think you did. Mm. The first time we brought it up, but we brought it up probably three or four times. Oh my god! At least twice. At least twice. Like we talked about it as the main part of the podcast. Let's get to it. Yeah, let's get to it because I can't. I can't figure it out. And you don't know where to go to. Why don't you go where so we've talked about it, but clearly you haven't oh, listened to it. Of course. Yes. 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 It has come up a couple times. Oh, because it's been on charts. Talking about putting. Yes, it's been on the charts, I believe, twice. There are two other songs that are on the yeah. charts at the same time that we have talked about. And then I think it came up. I think he came up. Taco is the artist. Yes. I believe he came up in a different episode <laughs> somewhere so as well, randomly. <laughs> So, it's a weird song. It's uh um this was a request early on. Like whenever we first launched the podcast, really? we were like telling our friends, Hey, we made a podcast. Uh we sent out a little like email thing asking for suggestions and somebody requested putting on the Ritz. What a strange song. Yeah. Do you have any idea of the origins of this song? I have no idea. I just know it keeps coming up. Yeah. It's like it, it just Pops up in really strange places, I guess, as it would. Yeah. Well, it was a big hit. It was a big hit. And uh, we're going to get into it. So not to bury the lead on the origins of the song, but it is a cover. The song was originally written by the legend Irving Berlin. Oh. Yeah. Is it in a musical? Yes. Well, it's in a movie. It's in a movie. Okay. So um, obviously, we probably know a little bit about Irving Berlin. I think most notably, mm-hmm. he wrote. Uh, White Christmas. Great film. Yeah, great film. Huge fan. Great song. Yes. Uh, great irony, because Irving Berlin is definitely Jewish. Uh, but a lot of these old Christmas songs were written by, by Jewish folks. <laughs> Before we get into Taco, we have to talk about Irving Berlin. For those who are not uh, as well-versed in the American songwriter culture, uh, Irving Berlin was born in 1888. In Imperial Russia, he huh. moved to the U.S. when he was five years old. He published his first song in 1907. He moved here by himself when he was five. Yeah, he came from Russia. <laughs> actually, he, you never know. There's uh, a chance. Yeah. In 1911, he had his first hit with Alexander's Ragtime Band. He couldn't read sheet music, and he could only play piano in the key of F sharp. What? Because of this, he had a special piano with a transposing lever. So when he needed to play songs in keys other than F sharp, he could use this to change the key, I guess. That was easier than just learning some new keys? This guy seems a little stubborn. That is really odd. Also, piano is an instrument that, like, you can kind of, you could play in a key and kind of just move it along the piano and figure it out. Yeah. 
I don't huh. play piano, but actually, I, I can a little bit. I understand the basics of it. So I, I thought that was a little strange, but it's very strange. <laughs> but hey, despite that, Irving Berlin had a 60 year career. He wrote an estimated 1,500 songs, wow. dozens of which were hits. The scores to 20 original Broadway shows and 15 original Hollywood films. And his songs have been nominated for the Academy Awards eight times. Uh, his All most right. notable songs, in my opinion, as we mentioned, White Christmas. There's no business like show business. Yeah. And I did not know this, but he wrote God Bless America. Whoa, really? Yeah. Huh. Wow, I just right? remember that from the sheet music. Uh, he also wrote Putting on the Ritz. He did. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, a little more about Irving Berlin. His songs have reached the top of the charts 25 times, and they have been extensively re-recorded by numerous singers, including Perry Como, Fred Astaire, Louis Armstrong, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Elvis Presley, Judy Garland, Barbara Streisand, Linda Ronstadt, Rosemary Clooney, Cher, Diana Ross, Bing Crosby, Nat King Cole, Billy Holiday, Doris Day, Jerry Garcia, Willie Nelson, Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, Ella Fitzgerald, Michael Buble, Lady Gaga, and Christina Aguilera, just to name a few. And Taco. And Taco. He lived to 101, and he died a year after you were born in 1989. At his 100th birthday celebration, Walter Cronkite said he helped write the story of this country, capturing the best of who we are and the dreams that shape our lives. Composer George Gershwin called him the greatest songwriter that has ever lived, and composer Jerome Kern concluded that Irving Berlin has no place in American music. He is American music. Uh, I thought I was about to diss, diss him. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> Not Irving Berlin, although we might have some uh, questions here in a second. Is his real name Irving Berlin? Uh, no, it is a Yiddish name. It's uh, oh. Israel Berlin. Uh, just as cool of a name. Yeah. I didn't do a ton of research on Irving Berlin here. We're here to talk about I, Taco. I get it. I get it. <laughs> So Irving wrote Putting on the Ritz in 1927 or 1928. Uh, he didn't register it until 1929, so we're not sure. Uh, it would not be released until Harry Richman, who was a big actor at the time, would sing it in the movie by the same name, Putting on the Ritz. Which was a movie? The movie, Putting the Ritz. It was released in 1930, the first version ever. Fun little ditty. Sounds like an old song. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I know the original song, and though it, it makes sense, like because the even the newer one, like it sounds like a melody from that era. Yeah, definitely. So the title derives from the slang. Slang's a weird word, but it's slang. It's slang expression to put on the ritz, meaning to dress very fashionably. Ooh, I'm definitely gonna be using this. Yeah. Well, the term Ritz is derived from the opulent Ritz Hotel in London and Paris. In fact, the Ritz-Carlton hotel chain that we all know is a combination inspired by the Ritz and the Carlton, which is a hotel in London. They were both conceived and opened by César Ritz. He was a Swiss hotelier. He is known as the king of hoteliers and the hotelier to the kings. (laughs) So, a little fun fact there. (laughs) That's uh, on my business card. <laughs> I'm not sure if the song inspired the movie or maybe this inspired the song or if it was all just a coincidence of sorts, but that is the first time we will we'll hear the song. Um, I do want to point out, we just listened to some of the original. The original lyrics uh, are a little bit different than the ones we hear Taco sing, and the original mm-hmm. lyrics are uh, <clears throat> a bit steeped in racism. Oh, because uh, that is the, the time we're talking about here, 1920s. <sighs> uh, one site, CoverMeSongs.com, summed up the original version well, saying, when Irving Berlin wrote these lyrics in 1927, he was writing about the fad of the day where poor black people would get dressed to the nines and parade up and down Harlem's Lenox Avenue, which today is now known as Malcolm X Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Berlin used the words Lulu Bell which was a slang term for a black maid, and Thursday was traditionally the maid's day off. It was a gentle satire with a remarkably intricate rhythm, and while it didn't coin the phrase putting on the Ritz, it certainly did popularize it. And he's referencing a line that says, 
uh, that's where each and every Lulu Bell goes every Thursday evening with her swell bows rubbing elbows. Hmm. The song also apparently references what was a fad back then where white folks would go to Harlem and, quote, slum it for the evening to see jazz performances. And um, mm. the song kind of references, I'm going to walk delicately here. I didn't write the song. Uh, kind of uh, references like black people dressing up to the nines and white people being like, well, they're poor. They can't afford these, these outfits. Like they're just dressing up, pretending they're rich, but they're not. So that's kind of what uh. the song is about. Uh, the original chorus says, if you're blue, you don't know where to go. Why don't you go where Harlem flits putting on the Ritz? Spankled gowns upon the bevy of high browns from down the levee, all misfits putting on the Ritz. So, problematic of sorts. I'm squinting and nodding my head mm-hmm. in skepticism. Uh, now, I didn't watch the film, putting on the Ritz. So, I actually don't know what the film is about. I assume it has something to do with the theme of the song. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure I want to see it based on, uh, based on the... De- Description of the the lyrics. Well, interestingly enough, uh, I went to a, a real hard hitting source here. <clears throat> Wikipedia mm-hmm. makes note that this song was a quote pre code film, which I wasn't aware about this, but kind of interesting. There was a time between 1927 and 1934 when films adopted sound, but prior to the Hayes Code, and it uh, the Hayes Code enforced censorship guidelines. So there was a time in there where pre-code films, where films were sound before the code. And the code, quote, as a result, some films in the late 1920s and early 1930s depicted or implied sexual innuendo, romantic and sexual relationships between white and black people, Uh mild profanity, illegal drug use, promiscuity, prostitution, infidelity, abortion, intense violence, and homosexuality. Nefarious characters were seen to profit from their deeds in some cases, without significant repercussions. That's all the good stuff from movies. Mm-hmm. Well, the Hayes Code, I, I, I didn't, I forgot to write this down, but I think it lasted until like, the 80s or something. Uh, hmm. But interestingly enough, so, uh, I don't know what was, what was censored from this film, but if you can find this film now, you will find the 1940s re-release of the film, hmm. in which 20 minutes have been removed. So 20 minutes hmm. of various scenes. So. Somewhere in there, there is promiscuity or drug use or infidelity. Or did they take out the 20 minutes to make it seem oh, more racist? I don't know. The, the movie might not be racist. Let's <laughs> give uh, Harry Richmond and his crew yeah, credit. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. Just Urban. speculating. It will appear again in film in 1939 in the movie Idiot's Delight. And it is performed by Clark Gable. Okay. We know Clark. I hope so. So it features Clark Gable tap dancing, wearing a nice uh, fancy tuxedo vibe. He's got dancers Uh behind him. A lot of tap dancing going on. Are the lyrics the same? They are in this version, yes. So it's like he's just singing the song. There's like nothing in the film that's referencing what he's talking about in the lyrics at all. Well, that's why I think potentially the other version is maybe similar mm-hmm. wherein it's just a fun ditty but on the ritz prior to taco the most famous version was sung by fred astaire once again featured in a movie this time in the 1946 movie blue skies okay should have known this song outside of the context of Taka. Yeah, but like, well I don't do know a lot from the quote American songbook that yeah. we're following to. Now, this version's a little bit slowed down. The uh, there is some I dancing, although I think the video we have is probably slowed down a little bit too. Perhaps, Mike, if you were listening intently enough, you'll recognize that these lyrics are different. Yes, I was just thinking that. I was actually thinking, I kind of like what they did here. Yeah. You'll be happy to know that this new version is written by Irving Berlin. Oh. In 1946, he changed the lyrics to this uh, song. Um, I don't know why. I could not find any real evidence of why, but perhaps America was waking up to 
the idea 20 something years later that uh, racism like is kind of fucked. And they, or Irving was. Yeah, was, yeah. someone was. Or yeah. the context of the song, you know, wasn't applicable anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you'll notice the song is now set on Park Avenue rather than Lennox Avenue. Park mm-hmm. Avenue being the famous rich, highbrow area of New York near Central mm-hmm. Park. Um, and the song is about essentially rich white people parading their wealth around and, and walking around the streets. And if you want to go where fashion sits and, and view wealth, you can now go to Park Avenue and view the extravagance is essentially the theme of the song. Mm-hmm. And this is the version that Taco will, of course, sing later, as we know it. I think it would have been weird if Taco sang another version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because it's uh, uh, like like the rewrite is definitely more uh, appropriate for everyday listening, but also represents a you know the issues of class and race and whatnot from yeah. whom he's singing about. Yeah, I think it still has a bit of the same themes as you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like you had mentioned a quotation where someone said that the first version was satirical. Right. Irving might might have been like thinking about this way more than people thought he was. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I, I don't know a ton about Irving Berlin, but I get the vibe because he's so prolific as a Broadway show writer as well that mm-hmm. I get the vibe that he there is a bit of higher level thinking, a commentary yeah. on society yeah. Yeah. that you could write songs for a show that would certainly could be problematic, but in the show Out of context yeah right. yeah exactly so yeah who knows yeah huh interesting i'm getting some like uh cotton eye joe yeah, yeah. here too with, like uh, how much the song has changed over time there's some uh cotton eye joe looking characters in the video we'll watch coming up here <laughs> but before we get to taco one one more movie one more movie yeah uh, it is also featured prominently in, in the 1974 film young frankenstein Oh my god, it is. Yeah, it is. I know I told, exactly what scene you're talking about. I'm sending it to you right now. I totally forgot. And I just watched this movie. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, uh, we watched it at Halloween this year. Yeah, oh, yeah. They. This is the song that they sing together. I've, I haven't seen this movie oh, in years, but I think I just kind of thought it was like a fun little part. But uh, it features one of my favorites, Gene Wilder. And I watched a, a Gene Wilder interview with one of your favorites, Conan O'Brien, uh, where... Gene talked about the song and it was his idea. He brought it to Mel Brooks and it was the only argument they've ever had in their entire career. Mel had no interest in this being in the movie. He didn't understand it. He didn't see why it fit. And Gene fought for it. And then right away, Mel said, okay, if you're going to fight for it, it's important to you. We'll do it. And here we are. Fair enough. Good enough reason. But the reason I didn't recognize it as putting on the wrist is because hard to hear Ritz. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Frankenstein's monster singing it and you can't understand anything he's saying. Precisely. Precisely. Seeing that part. Yeah. But even the, you know, I probably wouldn't have heard this and then thought of the taco version and been like, that's the same song. No, and I think in the 1970s as a over the age of 25 year old watching this, you'd probably know this song because you might know the Fred Astaire version, the mm-hmm. Mark Gable version. It seemed like it was way more popular right. back then. You know, we're we're ten, fifteen years into modern music at that point. There isn't as much repertoire as that we're we're waiting through now. Wow. I learned something new about about a movie yeah. I love. Great. Enough talk about the song. Let's talk about Taco. Yes. Taco, whose real name is Taco. And it's T A C O. T A C O. Taco O'Curse, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, was born in Jakarta, Indonesia. Whoa, to, didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming, but to Dutch parents. Okay. Uh, his father was a traveling salesman, and Taco lived all over the world in his younger years, Singapore, the U.S., the Netherlands, and for majority of his formative years, it seems he lived in Germany, in West Germany. In one interview, I read that he considers himself a planetarian, having lived and traveled and worked on nearly every continent as he says. Okay. Not a planeteer. Is it direct quote? He is a, so I've listened to a lot of interviews with him. He's like a very fun, fanciful character. Um, as I mentioned, his parents were Dutch, and apparently Taco is a very common Dutch name in the 
province oh. of Friesland. Friesland? Friesland? So, interestingly enough. Yeah. Uh, he studied interior decoration and finished acting school in Hamburg. He was in a few performances in Germany and eventually started a band called Taco's Biz in 1979. Awesome. However, I couldn't find any music or much uh. information about the band. Uh, in fact, his early singing career is a little hazy overall, things overlapping. Uh, but I read that he made a name for himself on the European Supper Club circuit by dressing in formal attire and performing dance versions of American standards, which we will soon see played out in his life. But he also recorded songs in German. In fact, his first recording contract was with Polydor out of West Germany, and that contract yeah. stipulated that he only sing in German. Oh, yeah. okay. According to Taco, I had recorded a demo tape, and the particular song was chosen by a jury to participate in a German song contest and became my first single. I had no great expectations because my goal was to sing and perform in English. Hmm. He elaborated in a different interview. I begged them to tear the contract up because I didn't want to sing German for the rest of my life. So then I sat down and wondered what I was going to do. I even want, wanted to change my name, but a choreographer friend of mine told me not to. He convinced me it was part of my history and I should just come up with something different. And that's when I came up with the idea of recording, putting on the Ritz. I had just seen the movie. <laughs> well, so he had just seen the movie, That's Entertainment. <laughs> Where I saw a clip of okay. Clark Gable singing "Putting on the Ritz," so uh, that's entertainment. Is according to Rotten Tomatoes, is a film that boasts more than a hundred classic segments compiled from dozens of MGM's most popular song and dance numbers. Hmm. Yeah, it sounded familiar, but I also couldn't tell if it was familiar because of the song "That's Entertainment" by the Jam. Oh, <laughs> the Jam coming up again. So he watched that, and then that's the song he mm -hmm. wanted to do. He continues. That is the only song Clark ever sang in a movie. I thought it was a cool song, and at the time, new wave music was just starting. I thought, if we could combine the American songbook with those electronic sounds, that would be really cool, because nobody has done that before. I shopped the idea around and eventually recorded it in a cellar with Casio Machine, and nobody was interested. You don't say. You don't say. <laughs> Taco was released, putting on the wrist as a single, with After 8 being the B-side. While it wasn't gaining traction in Germany... Is After 8 another American standard? I actually don't know. So the album certainly has some that are recognizable. I didn't recognize all of them. What an interesting thing. He's like, this major label in Germany wants me... is giving me a record contract, but I don't want to sing in German, so never mind. <laughs> So he was having success doing this bit, which was, you know, him doing these American standards dressed up in tuxedo. And I think he, I think he yeah. loved, so I didn't write it down, but there was, I listened to some of the interviews with Taco. A handful of them are podcasts too. We probably could have had him on. Oh. A little, little teaser, he's still alive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he mentioned that he lived in the West Coast for about, I don't know if it was LA or, or or California or Washington, mm -hmm. but he lived in America for a bit and he fell in love with it. I think he fell in love with just the old, you know, I think he loves American movies and the yeah. old time standards. Like, so I think that's just his jam. That's what he wanted to do. You know, I think some people, some artists, you know, you get some success and you're like, this is my only, my only chance I have to do it. And then, then some artists are like, they get success and they're like, all right, cool. I can, if I got a record label here, I can get a record deal anywhere. So yeah. He's kind yeah. of one of those, I feel like, where he's just like, oh, fuck, I'll figure it out. Yeah, just doing what he loves. Mm -hmm. So, song, not working. Not working in Germany. Nobody cares. But, turns out, it was a hit in Sweden. Ooh. I don't know why. He doesn't know either. Uh, but for some reason, it connected. As, as Taco says, we got a phone call from Sweden about six months after the release. And they wanted me to come do a promotional tour there. I flew over to Sweden. And there was a Rolls Royce there to pick me up. I only had a single of putting on the Ritz and the B-sides after eight. I performed in a big discotheque. And I looked through the curtains and saw all the guys in tuxedos. The girls were in beautiful gowns. That's when I realized <laughs> it was a big thing in Sweden. So oh, I, put on awesome. a ton, 
I put on a ton of makeup so I would look like an old vaudeville performer. I went on stage and sang the song 10 times <laughs> because I had nothing else. <laughs> awesome. Brilliant, right? That is great. So the recording contract details are a little vague. Uh, but it's around this time that he signed with RCA Records. Uh, from one interview I listened to, it sounded like it was a part of a package deal that RCA wasn't all that interested in him. But they were like, if you want to sign, I, I got the vibe that potentially he had like maybe a publishing deal. Mm-hmm. And RCA wanted to sign a handful of acts from the pop company, maybe. And they were like, sure, we have to take these guys as well. So Taco okay. was just kind of thrown in. Um, uh, but on the success of the song that he was having in Sweden and around that region, they hastily recorded a handful more tracks. Many more are from the American songbook theme and Taco would release his debut album, which is also entitled after eight. Oh, interesting. The B side. Yeah. Are after eight mints named after after eight must be a thing already. I don't know. I don't think I've ever had an after eight mint. Uh, you probably haven't. Uh, I think they're like an old school candy. Okay. It's like, a, it's like a, you know, 1960s candy or something. Okay. I don't know. I She's like, I up. love old songs. <clears throat> I love old candy. Let's put them together. Uh, something I wanted to mention last time that I forgot yeah. to, but also you'd already done this here in Nevada, you know, little blurb at the beginning, is that, uh, and once again today I'm drinking it, I've been drinking the Hop Splash, the, the hop-infused sparkling water. Oh, yeah. I haven't had oh, this. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, it's really good. It, so it's seriously a sparkling water that's hop-flavored. And, you know, I had a big weekend and going out of town tomorrow, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to have, it's it's 0%, but it feels Ooh. like I'm, kind of feels like I'm drinking a beer, but it's zero calories, which is awesome. All right, I got to dig that up. And I like NA beers, but you're still drinking a beer. Like, it's still like, you know, the experience of drinking, uh, you know, kind of heavy thing. This is like nice and light. You can drink yeah. 10 of these. Feel amazing and hydrated. So Hop Splash, it's very good from our friends that's here in Nevada. I still love their beer. It's just I don't drink beer every day. So it's perfect for that. Yeah. Neither do I. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't. I don't. Some days I drink wine. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm aware that the entire point of this podcast is for me to figure out how these songs uh, that we cover <laughs> actually become hits. Yeah. Uh, but I have no idea. I, I just want uh, <laughs> like, I got to say, I could not find a lot of information about the rise of the song. There's no oral history of putting on the Ritz by Taco? There, there is. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, the only thing I could find from the song are direct interviews with Taco. <laughs> Other than that, Nobody else. There's, no, there's no other commentary. Like yeah. Most of the songs we cover have some stories, have some articles written about them. Mm-hmm. Everything that I'm telling, for the most part, <laughs> is straight from Taco's mouth. <laughs> and uh, here's the thing. He's, there's two things about it. One, he's pretty self-deprecating. So many turns, he's like, you know, nobody wanted me, they didn't want me, but this happened. So I have to imagine that there's way more to the story mm-hmm. than than just like that but he's also kind of like in a good way like childlike in his interviews so when he gets asked questions like what happened here or how did this come about or what happened you know he's like oh it's, it was crazy i don't know it just happened it was amazing the most amazing thing ever people are still talking about it and so you're like yeah well, but what happened like he's very light on the details and so <laughs> so much of this is you know just uh kind of conjecture but taco seems like such a character oh very oh yeah we'll, we'll get a little more that yes but, but in one wait. in one interview he talked about how rca in america had no interest in promoting the song but rca in canada started promoting it and then apparently they started exporting albums to america <laughs> and then rca in <laughs> new york at that time was like oh shit Maybe we should put some promotion behind this. I mean, can you imagine if if you're working at RCA uh, anywhere that where the song wasn't made, but especially RCA America, and they're like, what is this? 
Yeah. Some fucking German <laughs> is singing American song tunes now. <laughs> He's not even German. Well, well yeah, you're right. <laughs> He's Indonesian, <laughs> Dutch, Dutch Indonesian. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the one thing that I can point out to why this song became a hit. There's a video. And we're talking early, yeah, maybe. We are talking yeah, early days of MTV. And so apparently this song blew up on MTV uh, because, you know, there's only four videos at the time. And uh, this is one of them. We just don't know how it got to MTV. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned right. you watched the video. Uh, there are two versions of this video. And I want us to watch oh. the whole video and make commentary about it. But we're going to watch. Okay. I want to watch Let's the full it. version. We're going we're to watch the full video of the revised version because it's far better quality. But first. Mike, I'm going to send okay. you the original version. Uh, it's incredibly hard to find because <laughs> it has been scrubbed from the internet. But I found a, I found a really rough version, bad quality. Oh. So I'm going to send you this link here. And <laughs> tell me if you see anything. Oh, this is hard to find. It's Daily Motion. Yeah. This isn't YouTube. This is Daily Motion. Tell me if you see anything weird or maybe perhaps problematic. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Yep. Okay. Uh I see a style of makeup that nobody should ever use. Mike sees blackface. Oh, Keep watching. God. Keep watching. There's no. a lot of blackface in this video. No. A tremendous amount. No. I don't want There's to. There's a whole tap dancing scene featuring blackface. Oh no. Now, Taco's not. It's really off putting with the song, too. Uh, He's not. All the dancers behind him are. (sighs) Somebody need to tell him, like, hey, we know you like all that old stuff from America. Well, you need to control yourself. Here's the thing. Uh, Well, I'm certainly not going to defend this. (laughs) I, I, I have searched everywhere to get some answers to why the fuck anyone allowed this. But I, all right, so one commenter, oh. I found a couple commenters like this, but one commenter thought that perhaps this was a commentary and a satire on the original lyrics. And that the one commenter that I read said, in order for satire to truly work, there needs to be a clear point and message, or you end up just doing the thing you're satirizing, which is exactly what happens here. Like, mm, yeah. That's exactly I, what's happening. May, here. I have to assume, knowing Taco as well as I do now, uh, that this was not done <laughs> maliciously. <laughs> I think it was a commentary on like that was fucked up, and so I'm going to show you some of that. I'm going to mix the Clark Gable, Fred Astaire tap dancing with what the original song might have referenced. But it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we we lost something there in the translation. Though he is singing the lyrics from the Fred Astaire yeah, version, updated. Which- are right. different which is why i feel like the blackface is a callback to the old st- but, it may also just be he's making a video with some old american shit it's bad. and it's bad <sighs> yeah i would imagine even 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 in 1984 turning this on just oh no i oh, mean <laughs> oh man i can't imagine how you reacted when you uh came across this yeah <laughs> i mean well so in in i've read a lot of articles and they were like you know this, uh, this it's impossible to find i found it and i was like oh god this, this is not good so again yeah. like i said the, the okay. prominent blackface moment i don't recommend it to anybody no so it comes in this uh homage to fred astaire it's, i guess it's more of a homage to clark gable since taco mentioned that at some point but i like i like the fred astaire point uh because a little bit ironically, Fred Astaire has an infamous blackface moment in the 1936 film Swing Time. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, Ted Danson's got one too. So yeah, you know. so the, uh, Trudeau and uh, actually, <laughs> yeah. too many, too many people, too many people. But I'm, I'm gonna send you the, yeah. the the new version, the revised version. Please do, so I can scrub this yeah. from my memory forever. I, wa- I want to watch this video t- together with you. Because let's take blackface out of it, everybody. The video is fucking weird as hell. Somebody at MTV was like, hey, we like the song. Uh, <laughs> we have, we some, have notes. some notes. 
so the the video itself it opens up with um cotton eye joe like characters like homeless vagabonds and then our boy taco comes in dressed in a fucking penguin suit tuxedo with a tail holding a cane that's lit up looking like a lightsaber and mind you he's an actor he's a trained actor he is so Mm -hmm. theatrical and so goofy he does this like little bounce with his head that it's just so i mean he's so creepy but it's it's intoxicating man it's intoxicating i've watched this video so many times the vaudeville thing is for real yeah he kind of gives me some like klaus nomi vibes klaus nomi oh Oh, that's my list you should know who Klaus Nomi is. You should look up Klaus Nomi's uh, SNL mm. performance. I will do it after this. <clears throat> so, the context of this video here, wh- and now he's throwing money uh, at at all of the uh, all of the people in the video. Um, is he saying that like the homeless people should put on fancy clothes? Like that's where he's, that's what he's doing with this. With I this think song. it's more about in the context of like, if you want to feel rich and you want to have a taste of it, right. you go to Fifth Avenue, Park Avenue, and you. So he's showing up to where all these people are living, and he's like, "Hey, if y'all want to, like, here's all these clothes. Come with me. Let's party like yeah, rich people." I guess. Got it. I wouldn't go too deep in this okay. room, but it seems like that's what he's doing. He's like a ringleader, kind of, and everybody changes whenever he walks by. I him. would say that. I like Taco a lot, and I everything I've seen about him, all the interviews, like he seems like a fun character, but it's all about him. And so I don't think he's fully thinking that deep in the sense of like, come with me. I think it's, I mean, I guess you're right. It's kind of ringleader-ish, like come with me, come to Park Avenue. But I just think this is a video for him to just fucking dance and be just a character. And we're going to watch more videos of him. He's he He definitely is a... Quite the character. I mean, this break, facial, facial expression is amazing. This little breakdown here, where he's just like, "Yeah, oh, I, I see it." He's he's kind of he's kind of got a uh, monster mash thing going on. Yes. What you also hear there, if you're at the point on the the piano breakdown at about uh, three fourteen or so, you will mm-hmm. hear a handful of other uh, Berlin hits, like "There's No Business Like Show Business," Alexander's Ragtime Band, and. Uh, White Christmas have little moments here, so cool little homage to Irving mm. Berlin. But he gets so wild. I mean, it is the '80s. This is like the period of glam, Prince, George Michael. I kind of digging into it. You know what I thought about with this song? I thought about Lil Nas X because the first time I heard Hold Down Road," I was like, "What the fuck mm-hmm. is this? This is so..." awful and then a minute into the song you're like <laughs> this you're captivated this is amazing like, what is this i want more <laughs> play it again and yeah this, like every time we talk about the song every time i've listened to a, a clip of it i'm like what the fuck and then immediately yeah, when i started such a wild song it, the production like, of this. It, I'm like yo this is catchy as hell I mean, these aren't just just American standards that turn into dance songs. Like he's got all kinds of crazy, weird instrumentation mm-hmm. in this voiceovers. Yeah, it is truly a strange production. And I, I could see where you think a little Nas X because he's also like a dressed up, like wild looking, like classic film yeah. character almost, where he's just like shows up and yeah. throws a party. Like that's kind of a similar vibe. But also has this like almost menacing quality to yeah, him. Yeah, I, I think there is like I guess the eighties were big in this and I think there's a rebirth happening right now of characters who are just putting on a show at every moment. Mm-hmm. When you think about the Prince. George Michaels and the uh, I don't David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. I think now Lil Nas X or Sam Smith, like they're mm-hmm. going above and beyond and being so theatrical, but it feels really genuine. Like it is them. Whereas like mm-hmm. other people it do does. it. Like yeah. I think in the 90s, people did it and they were like, I'm trying to trying to like start a rouse. But like, you know, the Grammys, for instance, like, you know, obviously the Republicans were all up in arms with Sam Smith, but like none of that felt like theater to me. It felt like 
well, this is just like this is who I am. Yeah. I'm gonna like show it in a different way. It felt really genuine. And yeah, he's doing yeah, something I think artistic. There's a little cool. bit of a, a reprieve in that, which is great. Yeah, I think so too. And I think Taco definitely like played into that. Again, Taco being mm-hmm. a a trained actor in theater, like I just think he just like he knows how to sell a show. We know the song is in the top ten because that's why we talked about it before. Do you know do you know where yes. exactly it landed? Mm, I can't remember. I don't think it was a one. I feel like it was maybe like a four or a six. Ooh, good guess. It was a four. Oh, okay. it was a four, and it uh, it peaked on September third, nineteen eighty three. Sweet dreams are made of these. But number one, mm, yeah. Um, by the Eurythmics, Maniac was number two. Uh, we gotta cover that. We gotta cover that. Flash dance. Um, yeah. Number three, uh, coming down from number one was "Every Breath You Take" by the Police. Mm-hmm. That had to be number one forever. That's a good point. You know, it was only on the charts for fourteen weeks, which is a you know, it might have been like a meteoric rise. Uh, yeah. But yeah, probably was. Just such a huge. I mean, song. putting on the Ritz at number four was on the charts for eleven weeks. I said, I mean, you know this as well, like, for our, our listeners who are not in the music industry, I feel like songs nowadays, like, some massive stars, it's a pretty quick turnaround, but a lot of songs nowadays, like, <clears throat> you're on the charts for a long time before you hit number yeah. one. It's a yeah. slow burn. I feel like back in the day, though, yeah. you really could burn it up. If you look at kind of weeks in the chart, on the, on the uh, these are all low double digits. Well, they're were fewer songs yeah less competition yeah <clears throat> number five she works hard for the money donna summer mm, yeah number six one of the reasons why we've talked about this safety dance men without hats which her in a super bowl commercial yeah 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 uh number seven tell her about it billy joel number eight it's a mistake men at work uh number nine culture club another very flamboyant 80s vibe and number 10 human nature michael jackson <clears throat> human nature i just learned was written by toto no shit he might be a co-writer but toto was the backing band on thriller oh wow really and then they wrote human nature and i was like that makes so much sense because it sounds like a toto song <laughs> wow <laughs> i see a uh, second thriller reference in two weeks love it yeah yo a couple shout outs because i just yo look at the uh the next 10 down We've got the Human League, David Bowie, Asia, Jackson Brown, Bonnie Tyler, Stevie Nicks. God damn. Just 80s royalty. Yeah, seriously. So this song, Pizza Number 4, which um, at the time made the then still living Irving Berlin the oldest songwriter to ever be on the charts at 95 years old. Oh wow! Wonder if he'll be he'll be topped at any point. Elton John just had a had a number one hit. Oh no, the the Dua Lipa song. Yeah, yeah, fucking love that song. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, everybody at the concert when I saw him seemed confused about the song. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Everyone at the concert I saw him at were pissed when the song came on. Mainly they weren't they weren't really. I was a little bit a little bit upset because I went to Elton John's last performance at Madison Square Garden, and he mm-hmm. played that song. Dua Lipa played in New York the night before. Oh. So we were all like, oh, is it going to happen? Oh, but you just got the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he did say, he was like, don't let anybody tell you you can't do anything because I'm 75 years old and I have a number one hit. Yeah, you're also <laughs> Elton John, so. Yeah, right, <laughs> there's, course, but there's that. It was endearing. Uh, Irving and Taco did strike up a, a courtship, if you will. Uh, oh. According to Taco... I had the honor of talking to Mr. Berlin. That was really a hoot. He was 100 years old at the time. He was very excited about it and said, wow, that's the greatest version I've heard of that song. And he was so excited to see the work of his in the charts for the very first time. This is from, coming from Taco. Yeah, again, Taco is like, he's so like <laughs> fanciful in the way he talks. <laughs> Putting on the Ritz, top the charts in Sweden and New Zealand. And it ended up the top five in numerous countries, including... Norway, Austria, and Canada. The album and the single both went gold. Putting on the Ritz was ranked 
number 53 in VH1's Greatest One-Hit Wonders of the 80s, hmm. which is such a, like a... Right, number 53 in VH1's Greatest Number One Hits of the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we just keep pegging it down a little bit, you know? <laughs> Did you guys know that not only does Dark Matter roast some of the best coffee beans in the business, but they're also huge music fans. I just finished off a bag of their blend that they did with Metal Blade Records, which was delicious. And I'm looking at their website, and they have a Metro 40th Anniversary Edition blend, which Metro, if you don't know, is an amazing music venue in Chicago. They have a new blend they did with them that has notes of cocoa, walnut, and toffee. Say no more. Uh, Also, proceeds from each bag sold will benefit Nourishing Hope, a Chicago nonprofit organization committed to helping neighbors overcome hunger, improve mental wellness, and build for the future. So that's awesome. What more could you ask for? Music, coffee, helping a great cause. How about free shipping? Because you can get free shipping on this bag and any bag of coffee at darkmattercoffee.com using our promo code WANTEDAHITCAST. We're now going to get into a place. I, I don't know how this will play on the podcast. No, I mean, we're just going to go where to a place. Going? We're going to watch a fuck ton of videos. Uh, We've been some weird places yeah, already. We're, we're going to watch a fuck ton of videos just for the crack. Uh, and who knows how this will play on radio. But... <laughs> Uh, Singing in the Rain is a is a follow-up single to the song. Um, oh, wow. So I want you to watch this video. Wow. He's talking to the gang, though. He's, like, definitely nailing down the... Who is it? Gene Kelly. Yes. He's, he's such, such a character, man. This is so 80s. Like, everything about everything. this. I love that this girl's actually soaking wet. <laughs> no. She's like, this is fake rain, right? I don't actually have to like be soaking <laughs> wet. They didn't have CGI. They had a fucking yeah. deal. I kind of feel like this wasn't going to be a big hit because the, the song is just too iconic. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it just doesn't it's work. Not it's not fun. It's not different. He looks like that dude in Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The one who crashes his motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk covers. Uh, it's the cover. So <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to uh to pinpoint any like new covers that were like clearly inspired by Taco, except for mm-hmm. one. Um, but other artists who have done the song we have not talked about yet: uh, Ben Crosby, Judy Garland, Neil mm-hmm. Diamond, Rufus Wainwright, and oh, because I love a good callback. The Cherry Poppin' Daddies! Oh, of course. And this one, I feel like... Actually, this one's probably inspired by... This makes... I mean, it sounds like a swing song, so... Yeah. Yep. They are. It's also the old version. It's the original version. Well, we do know Cherry Poppin' Daddies. They're all about that social commentary. Yeah. So, I get it. Honestly, like, thematically, not that different than Zoot's Surprise. No. Yeah, Historically speaking... And uh, uh, we we have a kids' corner. There, do we have a kids' corner? There's a, apparently an organization <laughs> called Party Kids Biz, and they they have a version. What a creative name! This is from the uh, 2014 Kids Most Wanted Party Music. Because I'm sure in 2014, hey. kids wanted this song. Wow, this artwork. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Not good at all. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna keep it. It's not. It's it's just a it's just a cover with a guy singing. It's not even kids music. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think it's a kid. It's not a kid, right? <laughs> and it, no. And at what point would this be a kid's most wanted party music? No kid wants this ever. I found a couple parodies, none of which are good. There's no my Toyota. No. Well, it wouldn't surprise you to know that um, putting on the Ritz could easily become Putin on the Ritz. So of course. we have a couple of those. So a couple of those? This one this one's <laughs> this one's like somewhat entertaining for like ten seconds. Oh wow, this guy really went for it. It has a lot of views. Ah. Uh, got it. Trump is the Ritz cracker. Yeah. It's funny for like a second. Uh, a lot of people watch this though. <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's Randy Rainbow. He does he does a lot of this stuff. He's pretty popular. Oh, okay, there you go. On YouTube, uh, I think he has a TV thing too. Anyway, 
geopolitical parody about everybody's favorite fascist. I mean, dude, this is the second time we've talked about a, a geopolitical parody. Yes. The Mashronovic, the Iranian country. Yes, yes, we did. Wow, okay. All right, so where is Taco now? With the success of the song. He's living with you. Uh, he just Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> where is Taco now? Uh, He's just making tea. <laughs> he, he toured Europe extensively. He appeared as a guest on the Merv Griffin Show, Alan Thicke, Solid Gold, Good Morning America, and a Bob Hope TV special, among many other. I mean, for someone who just like really idolized American showbiz, he did it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting though. So, on at least one interview, I think a couple of interviews I listened to, he talked about why, you know, the interviewers would like gently walk around the issue of the one hit wonder. And he talked about how after putting the Ritz, he had a kind of a choice to make where he could move to America and fully embrace that whole scene mm-hmm. and try to really make a career or yeah. he could just continue doing his thing in Europe. And he mm-hmm. really didn't want to live back in America. And he comments on how he, a lot of times would get into conversations with people and they would say, whoa, 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 we don't have to go that deep. And he really, he found it hard to have conversations with people. People are really shallow and quick here. And he found that, Europe just had a much deeper conscience and, and conversations and hmm. a, a bit of interesting commentary in America that he was like, nah, I don't want to. Uh, he was probably like us at parties where after three or four beers, staring about us, uh, you know, you're you're like a song comes on and you're like, I got to tell you about this crazy thing about yeah. the song. <laughs> and then at least this other thing, you know what I mean? Like, or, no, or like you guys talking know, about a movie. And like, this is written by every person. <laughs> It's true. Do you know Take Me Home Country Rose is about Maryland? <laughs> yeah. It's very true. Uh, so as I mentioned, the second single after After Eight was Singing in the Rain. It charted uh, and peaked at 46 in Canada, but it, it didn't make a dent in the States. He would continue mm. recording in the 80s, mainly for the German audience, in a similar manner to putting on the Ritz. In 1989, he recorded a uh, some contemporary dance tunes these are kind of fun I'm, I'm going to share this one with you more late 80s early 90s thing a little dance like a club yeah uh, this is kind of a jam <laughs> yeah a song called Got to Be Your Lover which is like very oh it sounds like uh, Rick Astley 100% Actually, it's just very funny you mention that because I do a lot of my research in the morning before work, and I had a like um, I copied a video of Jocko and I pasted it in my notes, and then I was writing an email to someone, and I meant to copy a, a, a URL <laughs> and didn't copy. I caught myself, but I almost sent someone a video of Jocko. <laughs> and I was imagining in my head is like people responding to me like, what the fuck is this? I'd be like, oh, it's a new Rickroll. <laughs> so it's actually very funny that you mentioned that. You just got put on the Ritz. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> it almost seems like it's yeah, like Christian dance music. <laughs> oh, a little bit, I don't know yeah. how to explain it. It's just like it doesn't come across as like real. I don't know. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me let me tell you this, guys. Uh I want this to be known. I don't know how much of this is going to stay in the podcast because Mike and I are going to watch a lot of videos here in the next uh, 20 minutes or so. <laughs> if you want to have a fucking great night, go on Taco's official YouTube and just just oh have at it. There are so many videos, so many live videos. Taco loves himself. He's got YouTube. quite the archive. He's really And I love how all the descriptions are like, enjoy this video of Taco singing this song. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're we're gonna get into it. So he did these. He did two contemporary dance tunes. They're kind of hot, in my opinion. Um, they didn't they didn't chart well and did nothing. So he would go back to acting from the '90s and would occasionally pop up for performances throughout the '90s and early 2000s, including a lot of prominent performances in Russia. Okay, uh, 
um, including oh, back to like Irving Berlin's now. roots. Yeah, true. Uh, so I'm going to send you a couple here. Here's Taco performing "Putting on the Ritz" at the Olympic Stadium in November of 2009. Oh, these Russian dancing guess, guys though are amazing. Oh, it's great. And this is your first time seeing Taco now in his later years. He's got white hair. He's a little bit tubbier, but he still looks kind of identical. He right? looks like a James Bond villain. Oh, he does. Yeah. Also, his tie is like a metal. It's like a a gold medal. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I did not pick up on that. <laughs> so that was in, in at the Olympic Stadium. Big crowd. November mm-hmm. 2009. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to send you a video of the, the Dick Clark rocking New Year's Eve of Russia from <laughs> 2009 into 2010. So I don't know. Do we know uh, no Russia has just really kept know. their claws in him? I have no idea why. During huh. this period, too, it was like 2009, 2010. I don't know, but this is a um, hmm. yeah, the New Year's Eve show. There's probably only one station in Russia, right? So this is like the station. <laughs> and uh, here's Taco a month later or two, and it's like looking even more Bond villainy. <laughs> right, he really does in this one. He's got a like a Beetlejuice striped suit, yeah, with a red <laughs> shirt tie combo. It is, <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> Man, he has so much fun, though. He does it the head nod thing here, too. Oh, my gosh. Again, we always say this, but I really walked into the song being like, this goofball. And the more I listen to him or I watch his stuff, I'm like, he's so enjoyable. That's amazing. Again, I, I've watched these videos. I'm, I'm watching them again with you, knowing that we need to continue. But he is, like, <laughs> infatuating. Something yes. about the way he does his performance. You're sucked in. You're like... You just want to watch. So you didn't find any. You didn't find any samples of putting on the Ritz. You want to talk about? You know, I didn't. I would assume there's probably something done with like the, the Casio keys in the background. Well, there's one. There's one but that you know I'm one. very familiar with. Oh, because I used to. Uh, I used to love this song. Oh, and I used to play it a lot in DJ sets because this came out like in like the height of the blog house era. So it's like, you know, all the indie, indie electronic music. Uh, it's the DJ group, Sebastian, who were on Ed Banger records. They had some like, Sounds moderate, like in, yeah. indie hits. Okay. Well, this is like built around the beat from tacos putting on the wrist. Oh, wow. Yeah. I already love it. And it's a jam. It actually sounds way better than I would have done. Which is why I'm not a DJ. It's great. Yeah, it's good, right? Yeah, I'm feeling it. I didn't know if that would come up because it was like a, you know, wasn't the biggest, the biggest song, but like it was, it was definitely popular in that genre. No, I appreciate that. But no, we're, we're going down Taco Rabbit Hole, bro. Uh, so oh, thank you. For, there's more. Let's see. There's so much more. Uh, we're just gonna have fun here. All right, so I want to go into this. How um, much time did you spend with Taco before dude, this? It's so fun. Uh, before this, no, no time. <laughs> but now, my like, oh my god! All right, so I want to, I want to, I want to show this video here. So uh, this, this is about eight months ago. So this is uh, putting on the Ritz. Hit six million views version, of course. And here's Taco. Hello, talking about hello, it. hello, fellow planetarians. Here's the old crooner, and have I got news for you? I was checking out my YouTube channel, and all of a sudden, there is this six million plus, and that's you. And I was just blown away. Six million views of putting on the Ritz 40 years later. I mean, he's like a child, right? He's like 16 years old. And because you've been so good to me, I've got a big surprise for you coming up in the next week. I've got a big surprise for you. Next it's week. playing. All right, so let me show you the big surprise. I mean, dude, twenty four thousand people watched this video of him just saying, "I have something coming next week." Yeah, you are, are you interested in what's coming? I, of course, I am. Fucking taco, a new hot summer jam from Taco. <laughs> Get in there. Ah, 
That's literally called Hot Summer Jams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hot Summer Jams. What? Hot Summer Jams. Wow, this came out of nowhere. <laughs> just enjoy. Just what? enjoy. Steal drums. Just enjoy. I'll see you in Puerto Rico. Over the beach back and all, the video is all just stock footage. It's not. I don't think it is, man. Because I feel like it was like a big video shoot. No. I don't know, man. The more you watch it, you're like... By the way, he said, like, some LGBTQ thing here. You're like, what? That's, he might have bought an entire package of stock footage. Or they just I went to some, like, weird pool and, like... So all these people are at Taco's house. No, they're all in, like, the panhandle of Florida at a rental motel. And they just did some B-roll here. But, like, all Taco songs. It's just a minute in, you're like... I'm into it. Dude, hot summer jam. I'm reading these comments now. People love taco. Like these guys. People fucking love taco, man. Yeah. <laughs> because of you, I read a lot of comments on these videos. People love taco. Taco loves people. He does. He does. He really is like a little kid. He's got like a Richard Simmons thing. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Danceable, lovely voice, beautiful video, wonderful music. We wish you lots of success from Jennifer Garnett eight months ago. <laughs> because you mentioned the green screen, I want I want to show you this video too. This video is heavy metal. Have fun with this one, dude. Bro. I'm just gonna do a super cut of you going. You gotta see this video. All right, I'm showing you this talk of video. You should check this one out. <laughs> Have fun with this one. <laughs> what the fuck is this? What? What is this song? It's kind of funny. It's great. It also kind of sounds like Monster Mash. Oh, it does a little bit. Weird. He's got some similarities with yeah. Oh, man, Boris. Oh, wow. Yes. He loves doing this thing. With the hand yeah. over the mouth in the other direction. A little wh- whispering, but singing very loudly. <laughs> yeah. it's, here's the most recent video. From, oh from last month. Oh, two months ago now. A little Christmas <laughs> ditty. Oh, I saw... Wow. I have two taco videos going at the this video features Taco dressed as Santa Claus, by the way, for everyone listening. The song is called It's Snowing in My Heart, parentheses, Bad Santa. <laughs> See the official video, <laughs> if you're unaware. I want to know who directs these videos for Taco. He might do them himself. Oh, he does. Definitely does. I kind of... I like his, the vocal recording of the song here. It's like way more deep, deeper, and like sultry. I kind of like Definitely is sultry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. How good is this? I mean, this guy's amazing. What a life he's had. I mean, this guy, this is what I'm trying to tell artists I work. He's putting out content. He really is. (laughs) What's he drinking? Oh. Did you get this far before? No. Once again, guys, if you like... 45 seconds of a taco video, you are sucked the fuck in. (laughs) What is happening? Now he's like sad and drunk like George Bailey. So, if you're all interested, Taco is very active on YouTube. He's also... Is he on TikTok? No. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Taco's old, man. Taco's old. Uh, Where does your old aunt... Where is she active? Facebook. Hell yeah. Taco. Taco be be Facebook. Facebook active, baby. Check out Facebook. <laughs> Check out Facebook. And and the way he posts, he posts like your old aunt. It's fantastic. He posted seven hours ago. He posted a meme of Will Ferrell. Oh, oh this is like his, his personal profile. Yeah, we're, we're friends. Uh, International School of America. How am I going to spend Valentine's Day? 
naked on the floor with a bottle of liquor in my hand, screaming Adele songs to my cat with a Will Ferrell picture. That's oh what Taco gosh. just posted seven hours ago. <laughs> he posts like your old aunt. And I love uh, he, it. He's just posting memes left and right. Meme. What a wild <laughs> ride this has been. We have, we have, I think this might be, it's one of the wilder rides we've taken. This is one of the dumb wow. episodes we've done. <laughs> Whoever. Well, we we were really uh, we were really discussing some serious social commentary, and now things have just gone <laughs> off the rails. Completely. But that's America, right? Oh, 100%. So why was this song popular? That's what we, we try to figure <laughs> out. Uh, I have no fucking clue. I really don't. Uh, but according to Taco, Taco claims nobody wanted it, the song. But after Scandinavia started promoting it, it started going all over Europe. Every day I would get a phone call telling me it was playing in Spain and then in Germany. You have to go to Portugal and France. After months of working and traveling all over Europe, I said, I need a break. I was just about to go on holiday when I got another phone call telling me to forget all those vacation plans because I was about to be a hit in the United States. The moment was scary. The rest is history. And I think the case is that the song took off on MTV. And because yeah. one interviewer asked Taco if he thought the MTV was a reason for the song's success. Mm-hmm. And he said, definitely. I owe MTV a huge amount of the success. And it gave us the freedom to not have to travel and be present everywhere around the world anymore. So I think he was kind of crediting like the rise of video TV in the mm-hmm. sense of like, I don't have to go to the country to promote my song to become popular. MTV broke down the borders and allowed my song to become big elsewhere. It was in front of people. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. So, yeah, I think that's really the real reason here. Somebody somebody at MTV was like, this video is wild. We have to play this. Yeah, look, MTV is always about pushing the boundaries. Or or my my typical fashion, ending off on a quote from, from Taco about his career. I'm very proud and grateful for the success that I've had. I love my job and have turned it, my hobby, into a career. It has been so rewarding to see so many different places and meet so many interesting people. I can look back on a truly fulfilled life, and that's what counts. And fuck yeah, Taco. It really seems like he has. It seems like they told him to cancel his vacation. He's been on vacation since that happened. Been chilling, baby. Hot summer jams. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a ride. My face hurts from laughing. (laughs) Fun ride. That's a wrap on this episode of You Wanted a Hit. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Good luck getting that song out of your head. Please remember to subscribe so you know when the next episode is out. And if you listen on Apple, write a review, but only if it's nice. Follow us on Twitter at YWAHpod and let us know what you think. Or tell us what we missed by sending us an email at YWAHpod at gmail.com. And lastly, share with a friend if you had a good time. This podcast was researched, produced, recorded, and edited by me and Theo Bible, and our theme music is by Air Doctor. We'll see you next time.